0: Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com.
1: As the founder and principal attorney at Beckway Law, Ify Abekwe believes that every woman deserves to make decisions that affect her. A woman can accomplish these decisions with wills, trusts, and other estate planning documents. Emboldening women is Iffy's calling, and she's also passionate about speaking about entrepreneurship and supporting other women. Ify graduated from the University of Texas School of Law and has practiced law for 14 years. She's the board president for Be the Bridge, a national nonprofit dedicated to racial justice and reconciliation. When she's not spending time with her remarkable husband and four-spirited children, Ify runs her signature Reread Her Book Club, which focuses on the study and discussion of literature authored by women of color. Ify, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Denise. I'm very happy to be here. I am excited for you to be here too. So we had a very lively discussion when we met prior to the podcast. And you had told me that despite going to school in Texas that you have moved and you've moved. It was fairly recently,
0: wasn't it? Well, now it's been nine months Oh, 10 months since I've been here. That's still but, pretty recent. <laughs> yes, that is recent. After 21 years in Austin, I moved to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is in Northwest Arkansas. Okay,
1: and you've got a hobby that you do that seems to be better suited for Arkansas.
0: Yes, I've picked up two, and I picked up another one pretty since we spoke, but yes, gardening in a different Zone It's easier when you're not fighting drought and limestone and rocks in your soil. So I I love that part of it. And what's your favorite thing to garden? Is it fruits, vegetables, a little bit of both? I I really I had about sixteen varieties of tomatoes going. Oh, wow. and it, it started early and in the spring after the last frost, and you know the last of the fruit are still producing right now. And next year, I will not plant as many tomatoes because while I like to grow them, my family doesn't like to eat them as much as they were growing. And so I would say that I'm I'm a budding tomato and strawberry farmer.
1: Oh, strawberries too. Nice, fruit. nice. Tell me a little bit about your work on the board for Be The Bridge.
0: Oh, sure. So currently, I'm the national president of Be The Bridge, and it is a nonprofit organization that is... They came about after there was all the unrest going on in the country about five years ago. And the founder, Latasha Morrison, who actually has a New York Times bestseller book about this concept of being the bridge, wanted to really get um, primarily people in churches of different races to talk about some of the issues that are never brought up but lead to. A lot of segregation in church. And so that's how it came about. We have a curriculum that people use, and now we've extended it to high school and college and, and churches and just anywhere, anyone who wants to use materials to help guide them to have these tough conversations on race, to be the bridge, basically bridge the gap when it comes to the awkwardness and it all. And it's a huge organization now. I mean, we have thousands of members throughout the world. It's When I started, it was just a little startup. And now it's this, it's amazing. It's just absolutely ballooned and grown and really is making quite an impact throughout the country. And this is a national
1: organization, correct? It is, yes. Okay, we'll make sure that in the show notes, we have a link to Be The Bridge so that Mm -hmm. folks can check it out, okay? Now, in in your work with Wills, Estates & Trusts, you often... Well, you guide women, but you also often talk to entrepreneurs because they blend.
0: Yes. A lot of my clients who are women, first of all, I speak to women because in the law, you find that so few lawyers will. They'll say people or they'll say families. And I think the default is that we're talking to men or some undefined person. So I really wanted to be specific and say, I want women to know that you're welcome here. And women are connected to their spouses, their children, their parents, their communities, their businesses. And so part of that is really making sure that people have a plan for their businesses, whether it's in how they structure it, how they wind it up what their business succession plan is in in case of incapacitation or death. And that's such a huge part of being an entrepreneur. I think we always think about the beginning stages and the hustle and the making it work and just making your systems and processes and your marketing and your financials. But the end of it is actually part of that business cycle as well, whether that's to be sold and all those other facet. I want women to know that that's part of it too. And just like estate planning is part of it when you use that analogy for life, it's that part that people just, you know, oh yeah, I'll get to that later.
1: You know, that's interesting. I was in the bank the other day and I started a a personal savings account. And the person working with me said, oh, I noticed you don't have beneficiaries on your account and you have four accounts, you know, these two business, these two personal. So the personal was easy. I just added my daughter and he said, well, You can't actually add a beneficiary to your business. You actually have to have some type of legal document. I was like, "Hmm, I've got some work to do. So can you tell me what that process
0: is? Right. And so for a lot of people, when they start their business, they set it up maybe as an LLC or some other sort of Formation. And different states might have different nuances. I'm only licensed in Texas. And so i speaking in generalities here. I'm not giving you legal advice. And part of that means that you, you also need something called an operating agreement. And an operating agreement is going to talk about who are the members of your your business, who is your registered agent, which means if someone sues you, where does that notice go to? Shareholders, it can go into so many details based on how you set up your business. And part of that operating agreement can also be winding up provisions for what happens to your business at the end of it. Additionally, there are people who put together buy-sell agreements, which allow you to say how to transfer ownership of the business At the end of it, right? Whether you want to sell it to a a really great employee who's been with you or have your things all together so that you can have it um, transferred to a family member or how, if it's a restaurant or something, right? There are many ways to do this. And a lot of business attorneys do this. I don't do a lot of business succession. So I'm talking about it just as a generality. I actually refer a lot of it out. But there's a whole process in getting that prepared to make sure, for example, if you have something like key man is you, you're the main person in the business and you're insured, who who does that money go to? Where does it pay out? What's going to happen to all the physical assets of your business, like your laptop, your desk, your chair, all the things that are part of your business, you have to have a way for that to end up, right? How? Where is it going to go? And that's the same thing for anyone who owns a business. Lawyers have to do this. And it's not necessarily only death. People get sick. People die unexpectedly. And you just don't want to leave those left behind in a lurch because you didn't have a plan for that, your accounts. Where are your accounts? Where are all these things stored? That's part of the business planning and the succession planning.
1: So this is fascinating because I'm aware of operating agreements I felt like that because I'm the only owner in the company, I didn't need one. I mean, it's just me, but it does sound like I
0: need one. <laughs> yes, I, I would say, I mean, depending on the circumstances and how you're structured, some people are sole proprietors. Some people are part in partnerships. Some people have LLCs. If they're professional, they might have a professional LLC, depending on your state. And that's why it's so worth having a consultation with an attorney to talk about it and say, I didn't, it's the same thing with estate planning. People say, I, I don't even have that much. I just have a house, a car, I have my bank accounts, I have my savings, I have my investments, and it's not much. And I still have a bunch of debt and I have some life insurance. And it's like, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and that's a lot of stuff to manage. So what is the plan, right? I don't mm-hmm. tell people, go and get on LegalZoom and do this yourself, right? Because- there's some, a danger to that. But do go speak to an attorney, even if you don't end up engaging an attorney to help you with that, just to talk through what the components are in your state that you need to take into consideration. Because that's so often overlooked when it comes to business. Because you just assume, oh, well, my my spouse will get it, or my daughter, or you know whomever in your head you think is going to be the person is not likely the person. And if they are ending up being the person there are things that need to be put in place so that it's easy for them to to carry on on your on your behalf
1: yeah and i know and again i'm i'm not at all an attorney but i know i'm in virginia and it's a commonwealth and it has some unusual laws i would just say that
0: yeah <laughs> when and it comes i know to nothing things about to it people. yeah <laughs> and that's a, the interesting thing is like Every state is like that. Louisiana is even wackier, right? They, everyone has their own ways of doing things and some other considerations, which is why it's not just generally, I can say this, but you may have very specific state, um, rules that you have to follow as a business person or tax implications. If you have a, a state, a, a state tax or something that's, um, related to your business and selling it or, or, or other things like that. So so
1: you don't work a lot on the business side, but you do work on mm-hmm. the personal side, which means that they kind of
0: intertwine, don't they? They do, yes. Okay. So oftentimes, and I'll speak a little to that, people will finally come in and they'll say things like, I didn't know if it was for me, or I'm so embarrassed that I haven't put together a will or planned for my children. It's so embarrassing. Statistics for estate planning, 70% of Americans don't have a will. And if you think about an estate plan as an umbrella, it's an umbrella over your will, your powers of attorney, which allow you to have someone make decisions for you medically or financially. You also have things like in Texas, we have guardianship. So if you're ever incapacitated and you need someone to take care of you, you can say, I want it to be my spouse. I don't want it to be my mom and, and designate those things in advance. So all of those are components of an estate plan. And so they're all under that umbrella of estate planning. Most people just think, I don't know what estate planning is. Is that real estate? What are we talking about? I know I need a will. A will is just one tiny part and it only goes into effect when you pass away. Everything else happens if there is some sort of incapacitation, which is as people live longer, the likelihood of being incapacitated is, is, is higher and mm-hmm. so there are certain things you can only put into place while you're, if you have the capacity to make that decision and in time essentially before you are in that condition. And so I say all that to say that's estate planning and that's how much people don't do that. When it comes to business succession planning, I think the statistic that I read recently says about 90% of business owners have no plan for succession <laughs> whatsoever. So while I'm like, oh, people need to get their estate plan. Business succession planning is even worse. And so when I do consultations with people, um, sometimes I have clients who have businesses and I'll say, do you have an operating agreement? I'd love to review it for you and see and make recommendations on what else you might want to consider. Or I'll have people who have businesses and they have the buy-sell agreement already, but they want to create a trust and a trust is a way to um, hold money or assets on behalf of somebody else and manage it on behalf of someone else. And say they may want their business assets to go to a trust or bank account. And so we set up things like that so that they work well together. But there's a coordination of attorneys when you start getting more complicated with that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so that's really how they're married together is that you want to make sure you're not saying, I give my business to my spouse. That's not likely to work, I mean, right? If <laughs> your you have spouse a part- may or may not want it. <laughs> right. They may not want it. If you have a business partner and your operating agreement has some other thing that it says for what your business is supposed to do, but you're putting language like that. So you really have to make sure that you're not conflicting or putting the wrong thing in a will thinking that, oh yeah, that's going to work. I'm just going to give my share. Well, they may not want to be in partnership together, number one. And number two, that is not necessarily sufficient depending on how you write it so those are the complex issues but that's how it blends together
1: okay so I'm gonna ask a question about Mm trusts. I'm not sure that I actually realized that you could put business assets in a trust is the trust a
0: personal trust or a business trust okay so there are many (laughs) ways to do it there are hundreds of types of trusts that you can set up There are trusts that you can set up within your will. Anything you put in your will only goes into effect upon death. There are trusts that you can set up outside of your will. And so what some people do, and in this instance, I, I said an asset, but it could be life insurance that you buy for the benefit of, like that key man insurance I mentioned, key person. And you want to designate a beneficiary. That beneficiary can be a trust. All right. So that's like to that it's paying out to or it could be a contingent and so depending on what type of trust you set it you set up, that's how it works. Again, you can't necessarily just put things in trust from your business because it depends on what those things are right and how you've instructed them to be wound up or where they're supposed to end up and so it's complex. Because it depends. And that's the lawyer answer for everything. (laughs) It depends on what we're talking about when we say that. So just wanted to clarify that.
1: Okay. And so you had talked about everything in a will doesn't go in effect till you die. Yes. I've also heard the term living will. Can you explain what that is?
0: Yes. Commonly confused with the last will and testament. A last will and testament is what you're thinking of when you think of a will. A living will... For those who are listening, if you remember a woman named Terry Schiavo, she was 26 years old. She had a heart attack in the 90s and went into a vegetative state. She was married. Her husband and her parents disagreed on what kind of medical intervention she should get. Her parents wanted basically whatever we can keep her alive with. We believe God and she's going to come back. Her husband remembered her saying, hey, in the off chance that I'm ever in a vegetative state. I don't want to be kept like that. And so they ended up fighting over Mm -hmm. her current condition for years and they took it to court and they fought and then it became very political and the media was saying, oh, she has a right to live. And the other side was saying, you know, pull the plug, let her go in her own way, right? After that, a form came out called a living will. And that is also called an advanced healthcare directive. That's what people are always talking about when they're like, I need a living will. It's like, yeah, you do, but you also need a last will and testament. A living will is a document that says, should I ever be in a terminal condition as determined by my doctor, right? As certified by doctors, depending on your state, might say language like this. This is the type of medical intervention I'd want, whether it's breathing, feeding. I don't want CPR because whatever. I don't want to be, I want maximum pain relief. You know, that's what the Texas forms allow for. And you can say what type of intervention you'd want if you were ever in that situation, because you don't want your family fighting over you and paying hospital bills because the doctor, well, first of all, now hospitals will even ask you as you go in, hey, do you have a living will? Do you have an h- advanced healthcare directive? Same name. And it might be called something else in your state, but that's what a living will is. Yeah, I've actually heard of it as an advanced healthcare directive. Mm-hmm. That's not the
1: same as a power of attorney. Or no? no. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can tell different. how little I know about legal. <laughs> and it's it's not something that we get uh, a primer on in high school or college. A power of attorney, there are two types there's a power of attorney for financial or property decisions. It's called different things. It could be called a financial power of attorney. It could be called, in Texas, we call it a statutory durable power of attorney, which is why people don't know what the heck that is. It could also be called a property power of attorney in California. That allows you to nominate someone to act as if they were you for financial decisions, whether that's investments and property and paying bank Bills and things like that from your bank accounts, right? It can be very, very broad or it can be very specific. And you, you can decide who that person is and who your backup is to help you if you ever need help because maybe you're out of the country or you're incapacitated and then it kicks in. Okay. The other kind of power of attorney that um, actually works with a living will sometimes is the medical power of attorney or a healthcare power of attorney. And that allows you to make medical decisions if you appoint someone to make medical decisions on your behalf if you're incapacitated. And that's the kind that really goes into effect. If you go into surgery and then you come out and you're, not, you're still unconscious, what do we do next? You want somebody who can be your person. A lot of people pick their spouse or a parent or sister or friend who can make that medical decision as if they were you. Okay. So those are the two types. The reason that you might think that the medical power of attorney and the living will interact is because they do. But a living will it is an end of life document. So it's um, very okay. likely that your agent would be the person called on in that situation, but you still want to give them directions as far as what you'd want. You don't want them saying, ah, that's just unplugger, you know, <laughs> Like right. you want that. And so they really do work well um, together. And it's likely that if you don't have that, that's who the hospital would go to, to ask, what do we do at this point? You're the agent, but it's, it's an extra step essentially. Cause it's an end of life decision. You must
1: have seen the confusion on my face because I was going to ask that question. What's the difference between the two? (laughs) Yes. Perfect. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to women entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um, to kind of keep their stuff in order both for personal and their business?
0: Yeah. So if you are uh, an entrepreneur, you are 18 years old and you have capacity, which means you can make decisions, you have to seriously consider you need an estate plan and you need a business succession plan. And they're not the same thing, but they're things that you need. And if it's an, a, if we're talking about the personal, even if you feel like you don't have much, you just have debt and you're still building, if something happens to you health-wise, there's, there are things that you need. You need an asset distribution document, which could be a will, which says, this is where I want my property to go uh, or trust, And I didn't go into trust a lot, but that's something you can have a conversation with a lawyer about. You need to have the medical directives so that if something happens to you, they know what to do with you, right? And what your wishes would be. And a financial directive. So I'd say if you had to start and you just didn't want to go through the whole shebang, those are three things you absolutely need. If you have kids, there's absolutely stuff that you must do in order to make sure that your kids not only know where they're going to go if something happens to you and the other parent, if they're in the life of the child but also how do you pass on assets to kids without having estate planning? It's very expensive and difficult. And so they can't just get the house. You have to put things in place and estate planning will help you with that. And then for the business part, just practically document where all your stuff is. Where are the accounts? Do you have any contracts out? Who do you owe? What are your clients? What do you owe them? Who's still in the pipeline? Have all those things documented. So, and then have a key person know where those things are in case of emergency. And that's just part of the practice. It's like a lot of us work on our own and think, oh, I got it. I know where everything, I know where all the bodies are hidden. But if something happened to you, someone has to clean up that mess. So first step would be to document it all. And then go speak to a business attorney who does succession planning and say, who do I need? Do I need something legally if I want my business to go to my sister? Or if we are informal partners, how do we make it documented what should happen so that if there's ever an incapacitation or death, it happens? And so it's a lot more work than people want to do. But those are the two things I'd say. If you're 18, you have a business, you have to get those things done.
1: So I'm going to ask you the
0: question... What does it cost for estate planning in general? This is is a very great question and it depends. I would say it starts at a few thousand dollars to get your estate plan done. And it's an investment because if you don't do it, the state that you live in already has an estate plan for you. And so they've decided where all your stuff is going to go, whether it's your business stuff, your personal stuff, your kids There's a scheme for doing that in a way that they determine it because most people don't get it done. And that costs money. And that money might come out of selling part of your estate in order to pay lawyers, court costs, taxes, creditors, and things like that. So there's a higher cost on the tail end for doing nothing. And I think part of the reason people don't get it is because they're like, I have no idea what this is going to cost. It depends on what you're working with, who you're planning for, whether it's just you, and you have a very simple estate or if you are someone who has a trust fund, like that's going to be more complicated if you have more assets. But generally, I say it starts at a few thousand dollars just to get everything going. And that price might go up and down just depending on your state laws as well and the lawyer that you're working with.
1: So a few thousand dollars proactively to mm-hmm. determine where your things will go legally can save your estate Your heirs, your employees, if you tend to transfer stuff to employees, thousands of dollars is what I just
0: heard. (laughs) Cheaper than Disney. I'll say that. People (laughs) will pay thousands to go to Disney. Mm -hmm. But those same kids you take to Disney, you plan nothing for their future. So it's cheaper than Disney. I'm not saying don't go to Disney, but it's like going to Disney. Hey, that's a great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So Ify, how can folks find you after our podcast today? Oh, absolutely. You can find me online. Um, I think the best place to find me is probably on Instagram and I will give you that information. It's at Iffy Abeque E-S-Q, like Esquire. Um, If you are a Texas resident and this has stirred something in your spirit and you're like, I got to do this, you can find me at willsintexas.com. That's my law firm page. And then I also have a personal page, which is ifyebeque.com. And I'll be releasing a book on estate planning in the next year. I just signed a book. I'm about to sign a book deal and have it come out in the, in the next year or so. So for those of you who have family members or you just want to find out more what a regular person needs, if you're not a Hilton or a Kardashian, it's a resource coming out and you can just follow me on Instagram and find that information there.
1: Perfect. And I'll make sure all that information is in the show notes as well. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for being here today. You've been a wealth of information.
0: Oh, thank you. I am so glad that you had me and that we planned this months ago and it happened. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.